How many miles a year do you put on your car? I, I don't. I just cover up the odometer. You know, I don't even look. <laughs> what would you say is the most rewarding part of being a scout? Winning with people that you evaluated and fought for, and you saw what they did, and you knew what they were going to bring to the team, and they do it. One thing you guys have is humility. So yes. <laughs>
Well, first of all, it's probably the least glamorous thing you'll ever do. <laughs> I mean, it's glamorous and scouting, you know, they're, they're on completely ends of the spectrum, opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're really just going over basically our fall. You know, all the guys we graded in the fall, plus our cross-check uh, players and schools that we did, um, based on the grades, <clears throat> we'll go through, uh, discuss them, and get them placed up on the board. Like the first three days we're here, like for instance, we got here Wednesday, Thursday through Saturday, typically Thursday through Saturday, mm-hmm. we go through guys that, you know, are probably not going to make our team or not be considered drafted, mostly going to be free agents or maybe late round types, you know, depending on what happens with the front board. Mm-hmm. Is the, For the mechanics of it, I mean, do you literally just throw a name up on the board and you say, okay, Saquon Barkley, what do you think, David? Okay, what do you think? I, what You guys go through and you all talk about it? Is that how it works? Well, the, the actual, the, the foundation for these meetings start in December when we come in for our Christmas uh, Christmas dinner. We call it our, our Christmas meetings, December meetings, top 30 meetings where we come in, we'll meet, we'll have our dinner, we'll see the game on, on Sunday, and then the following week here at the, uh, the facility, we'll kind of trickle through and, and schedule meetings throughout the, uh, throughout the week, usually Monday through Wednesday, talk about our, our top 30 guys. Based on everybody's rankings from their top 30, they'll set the initial board for those players. Hmm. And then all the other players that got make it grades that we didn't go over, we'll just, we'll go through. Usually we'll start off, let's say Saquon Barkley, for example, you know, Mark Azevedo is the area guy of the Northeast and he'll read his report. It'll usually be the cross checker that'll, that'll say, that'll go next, whether it's probably melt over the top in that area maybe maybe Joe's gone in there as the as the director and then any cross check <clears throat> any cross checkers that are assigned to Penn State or running backs you know as your cross check position or your cross check school then that person will go so they'll read like a full report or they'll say like well I don't really agree with what Mark said about that well how we do it I think team organizations are different in how they do their meetings mm-hmm. but we'll actually we'll read our summaries mm-hmm. and then afterwards We'll kind of have a more of an open table discussion about how we see them, what, but yeah. So that's 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 kind of how we do it. Gotcha. Yeah. So you live in in Phoenix full time. Yes. How much of of your year is spent like going out to schools, watching practice, going to a school to watch film? How much of your calendar year is, is that? It's a lot. My busiest my busiest time is the fall. So when we co- we come in for a training camp, right? Um, which is usually late July. We're here for about a week and a half, mm-hmm. get a snapshot of the team, see how guys are practicing, playing, just see what the team looks like. Um, we'll have our meetings as a department, and uh, we'll, we'll organize our fall. We'll, we'll get our schedules together, you know, book our hotels, you know, pl- plot out you know, the rest of our three or four months on the road. Mm-hmm. And then in August, that's when we, we fly back to our respective areas and start hitting up all the different fall camps driving around. So basically from when I leave in uh, the end of July, all the way through August, September, October, November, I usually try to get off the road about a week or so before Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And then that allowed me some time to just be home, bunkered in at home to catch up on tape, late tape from places that I was at earlier in the year to kind of see if the players matching up to how he was performing earlier in the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, get my get my sequence list together, uh, type, Oh man, you got to That's one thing you got to you got to make sure you're staying as current as possible cuz that work will stack up on you, you right. know, cuz you got I mean, there's just so many players, you know, and like every area is different. You know, the the West is unique 
opposed to any other area just because it's so it's vast. Out, man, <laughs> it's, it takes so long just to get to a school. How many miles a year do you put on your car? I, I don't. I just cover up the odometer. You know? <laughs> I don't even look. I don't even look. Ask Jeff Gehring. <laughs> <laughs> he follows the expense reports. I mean, you, you kind of said it earlier, like, you know, there is this feeling that, like, a life of a scout is a very glamorous job. You know, it sounds like that way. Mm-hmm. But then take me kind of through a day of – I mean, are you spending hours in a car? You're going from one school to the next and you're, you know, racking up those miles and you're sitting in practice. I mean, like, is it, you're, it's kind of a lonely life in those regards as you're going from school to school. And you know, you got drives, you got to go in, you got to watch all the tape, you got to talk to your sources, you got to double check your sources, get all the accurate information. Um, you might get sick on the road where you got to, you know, you got to buck up and, you know, do your job still. You're away from your family, which, that has become more of a thing for me now, now that, you know, I have a young family that's starting to grow. Right. So, like, that's probably the toughest, man. Mm-hmm. And also just being detached from your team. You know, you're a, you're a, you know, you're a lone gun out, out there. there, man. <laughs> so it's it's kind of lonely out there. But, you know, you're you, you, you out of sight, out of mind, you know. But you got to make sure that even though you're not a huge part of the process right now, you are going to be, you know, important at a certain point in the future. So you got to make sure you're doing what you got to do to have the information to make sure the the decision makers, you know, have everything they need to make the right decisions. So, you know, I I think it's just that discipline to be able to to do your job day in and day out, regardless of how you're feeling, you know, how long you've been out there, how tired you are, um, to have a bunch of information in an organized fashion down the line at a date where nobody's constantly hovering on you like hey did you get this in you know did you meet this deadline because they kind of just leave us out there to do what we got to do so and I think we got a we got a lot of guys out there that are really good in that regard just in terms of making sure that they're doing what they need to do in spite of whatever adversity or or stuff they have going on in their personal life or even their professional life so right yeah I'm curious so when you're going through this process of evaluating there's obviously the football component but you guys always try to figure out kind of the player themselves, mm-hmm. know them academically, know them off the field, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, how much would you kind of say weighs into it from a football standpoint and then also from the character and off the field standpoint? How do you merge those? Uh, I, I think they go hand in hand. You know, I think you, you have to you have to be leery about letting the character affect the grade or the evaluation of the player because we have certain indicators to alert whatever character concerns there may be because first and foremost you got you got to get the player right yeah you know what 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 caliber of talent is he is he is he a starter is he an impact player is he a backup is he a practice squad developmental guy mm-hmm. so once you get him in that bucket then you know you factor in all the other stuff well how good of a you know how good of a person is he how good of a leader is he you know what what type of makeup is he how how important is football how how durable is he you know how how smart is he you know those different types of things and and whatever you know doesn't line up, you know you you, you put the, the the indicators to to alert people that hey, this guy has an issue here, or you know he's got he's got some sketchy in his background there, you know, or you know he's got some issues learning, you know. So you you, you put those things there to just say okay, he's he's this caliber of player, but he's dealing with these issues, mm-hmm. or he's that caliber of player, and he's just a special special dude to where, you know. Hey, he might. Yeah, man, he may not. He may not have all this other stuff, but I might bank on him just because he's got that right makeup. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. right. 
What would you say is, without naming names, one of the weirder like things you've ever found out about a player when you've been scratching <laughs> around for that kind of stuff? Because you you got to find out the nitty gritty. Yeah, kind of like us. Mm-hmm. You know, we we got to do our research, but yours might even go another level deeper. Well, shoot. Well, Brandon Williams. You know, my first year on the road, he was he was emptying. Uh, uh, out of porta potties, <laughs> right. you know, you're like what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's actually shoveling, you know. So, you know, the it, contents it, of the porta potty, exactly. Right. You know, it, it doesn't get any dirtier work than that. <laughs> so, you, I mean, I went to the school, and you see, you know, he goes. He's a smaller school, and he doesn't have all the, you know, he doesn't have all the amenities that you would have at a at a power five school. But you know, he's he's doing that. He's going to the school. He's working. You know, on the side doing that type of job, and I think believe he was going back and forth uh, from his hometown or wherever his, his girlfriend was staying because uh, I think they just had a baby. Right. So you know, you, you see that type of stuff, and you're like, man, this guy's really, really going above and beyond. I mean, this you want to talk about dealing with adversity, you know, or, or you know, overcoming stuff or having grit and those types of things. Right. Brandon kind of personifies that. So you know, you you, you learn a little bit of things about players, and you know. After a while, you see enough players that have that type of, you know, story behind them, whether it's Brandon Williams or whether it's Buck Allen or, you know, those types of players, and you see them make it, you know, regardless of whatever perceived shortcomings or deficiencies they may have on the field, and they end up making it, you like, it gives you a little bit more confidence to kind of project, hey, this guy reminds me of Brandon, mm-hmm. you know, he's that type of person. I think I, I like him, you know, he might be able to, to make it, even though he, he's not super fast or super right. big or whatever. Right. In a similar vein, how you guys always talk about how you talk to everybody. You talk to weight room coaches, you talk to their middle school math teacher, like all that stuff. How deep do you literally go on that? I mean, are you going back to high school? Are you uh, talking to like anybody and everybody? Like how do you go through that process? Well, you, you, first you got to navigate what the landscape of the school is because you don't want to go talking to people that you're not allowed to talk to. Mm. And then, you know, as you talk to people over time, you get to learn the source. Like, you scout the player, you got to scout the source, too. You'd be like, does this guy really know what he's talking about or does he just love everybody? Or right, this guy, exactly. he hates everybody that, you know, comes from this part of the, the country or the state. You know, it's just right. so you, you learn you learn who the sources are and the good sources are and the, the people who shoot you straight. But I think you'll 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 end up digging as, as deep as you need to dig in order to really get the essence of who the player is. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the most difficult thing to find out about a player? You know, like like you're trying to know everything about them. What is it difficult to really know their passion for the game and how truly, you know, excited about the game or, or difficult to know what they're like, just their character and leadership? What What's difficult to really understand? Well, you're dealing with humans, man, so it's it's... It's, it's just hard to deal with behavior or project behavior because, you know, just the, the history of the league. You've got guys who are choir boys in, in college and, you know, they get into trouble, you know, in the league. Mm-hmm. People who might have had red flags coming out might have been character concerns. You don't hear a peep out of them, right. you know, throughout their career. So I just think trying to trying to predict how a player is going to respond to a situation they've never been in before. They've never been in, a, in an ultra-competitive environment where they're going against the best of the best in their uh, profession. They've never been in an environment where their tax bracket has jumped up this high so quickly right. at this age mm-hmm. and being so far away from home, you know. Or, right. So people struggle with that, you know. Or I've, I've never had access to all the things that come with being an NFL player. You know, now I can go to this party or I can go to that 
you know, I can take this trip or I can be around these people. I've got distractions pulling me away from what it is I'm actually here to do. So all you can do is just try to get as much information as possible of what the player's core is. What's, what, what type of kid is he? What type of person is he? Well, how important is football and how likely, based on his you know, past you know, performance or past behavior, is he likely to you know, act, in some, act in a way that's outside of that? You know, I mean, that's, that's so hard to, to project. You know, but and then also it's just hard to find out maybe specific things. If if a guy's had incidents, they might try to cover it up because they don't want to kill the kid. Or mm-hmm. you know, there's some there's some medical stuff that you know they got HIPAA laws as far as like academics or you know injuries or you know what whatever medications you're taking. Like a lot of that type of stuff, there's some mm-hmm. privacy things, so you're like legally not allowed to disclose. So you just gotta. Try to navigate through all that, man, and try to get as much information as you're, you know, allowed to. What would you say is the most rewarding part of being a scout? I'll tell you this: winning, and mm-hmm. winning with people that you evaluated and fought for, and you saw what they did, and you knew what they were going to bring to the team, and they do it. I mean, that's <laughs> right. why we're here. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you, that's why we spend all this time away from our families. That's why we're out here. You know, I mean. It's, we're out here grinding, you know, you're traveling, you're going through the tape, you're staying up late, you know, you're away from your family, you're not spending time with your kids or your wife, whatever the, whatever it is, you're doing it to help bring players here that are going to help us win championships. And when that happens, it's the most fulfilling, most rewarding thing as a scout, in my opinion. Right. You know what I'm saying? It just, it makes you excited. The, the gratification may come, you know, years down the road, yeah. but when it happens, you feel validated, you feel vindicated, you feel, you know, recharge to do it some more yeah that's what you you know that's that's why you're part of the team you know i I think that's like the that's that's the thing we all would want to play in the nfl right you know (laughs) but we can't but we're part of this team in our own different ways so you know what you guys do for the team helps the brand it helps you know our support it helps the fans get to know the people in the building you know that's a big deal it helps to connect the team to the to the fans and the community so that's how we we contribute so i think you know it's and i think that's what kind of makes this building special you know i'm curious like on draft weekend so you obviously you get and on, along those lines like so you come out on draft weekend and then the draft happens and it plays itself out and some th- some years there's probably multiple guys that you really spend a lot of time in some years you probably come and go and you may not have a single guy that gets drafted that you really spend a ton of time in just the way the board falls mm-hmm how do you leave draft weekend? I mean, do you leave sometimes if it's like, all right, I'm fired up. They took Buck Allen and they took these different guys who I knew were going to be great. Nico. And yeah, right. That, right. Or, the guys or, from the West, right? Or do you say, man, like, all East Coast this year and, and you leave Pitts. Like, how does that, How does scouts treat them draft? I think Eric Eric has a, you know, good uh, – a good analogy for that is kind of like you know postpartum syndrome <laughs> you know so like good bad or indifferent we could draft all west coast players or we could draft no west coast players or we could draft nobody that I even looked at cross check you know area anything You're, there's going to be a bit of a letdown after a draft and the free agency period afterwards because you've spent nine months leading up to this part you know leading up to this event and it comes as long as it takes to get there, it's quickly over. And you're right. like, well, what now? What do I do now? And you're just like, oh, like when, you know, they'll go on, to, they'll go on and join the team, and you'll go back home, and you just kind of look around, like, what do I do now? But I, I do think that, you know, you always, if you if you got players, you know, you spend all this time evaluating them, 
and they give us a platform to uh, give our opinion and why we feel that way. And if you really have conviction and you think players are going to come in and help you, help the team, and you don't draft them, or you don't, you know, it just that's just the way it ends up. They don't draft anybody that you're passionate about, or even sometimes, you know, they draft players that you don't necessarily love. You know, <laughs> right. it's just like, well, you know, I hope I'm wrong. Well, you and know? then that and guy goes on like, your resume. You're yeah, like, I didn't really like that guy. <laughs> now, all right, I'm tied to him. <laughs> hey, man, we got him. We love him. You right, know? right. Yeah, he's ours. So. Right. And, I, you know, that's the thing. We, you got to check your ego at the door. You know, it's not about you. You know, all you can do is your job. You know, if I don't if I don't get anybody selected from my area or they select people that I wasn't necessarily fired up about or they pick dudes that I was just fired up about, it doesn't change, you know, how you go about the, the job. You right. know, and, and I don't think it even really changed maybe a little bit, but you're still going to have a letdown when it's all over, mm-hmm. you know, just because it's. It's another year in the books. It's a lot of energy and effort put into it, and you know it's over. And then you know again, then you'll get an Ortiz email two weeks later <laughs> talking about, "Hey, this is what we're doing for next year's draft." I'm like, come on, Joe, right, we, just, right. we just finished. Right? <laughs> Spring so, practice, right? yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> so you've really worked your way up here, and you continue to do so, and will continue to do so. Who have been really your role models in scouting? Who's given you a lot of advice over the over the years? And and as a follow up to that, you know. How long did it take you to realize what a Ravens player looks like? You know, who really instilled that? Well, that's easy. You know, we were lucky to have such, the Ravens, we were lucky to have such great players, you know, on the on our teams. And I'm not just talking about players. I'm talking about dudes, Hall of Famers, all pros. I mean, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, Haloti Nada. Bart Scott, Chris McAllister, Samari Rowe, Todd Heap, Derek Mason, right. uh, Steve McNair, Trevor Price, right. Marshall Yonda, Jonathan right. Ogden, yeah. Willis McGahee. Right. I mean, if you if you look at that team, there's probably five Hall of Famers. There's going to be five, at least five Hall of Famers on that team between Ed, uh, Suggs, Ray. Ray, Ogden, and probably Yonda. Right. I mean, the, the, the point I'm making is you want to know what a Ravens look like, what a Raven is supposed to be, just look at your own team. As far as, like, scouts, it's the same thing. You know, a lot of the guys that were here when I were here, they, they've moved on to, to bigger jobs and, you know, big decision-making jobs, executive jobs, whether it's Joe Douglas, George was a GM, uh, Andy Weidel, uh, Lionel Vital, um, you know, Ortiz has moved up, Joe has moved up, Chad's moved up. We had a really strong room as far as like just veterans, you know, that they all kind of came up together. Jeremiah Washburn was a really good scout for us. He's now coaching in the league. So, and Milt, you know, Milt's who are, who's our national guy right mm-hmm. now. He was the young guy, you know, <laughs> in the room. And so, you know, it was a really strong room. Those, I, that's how I learned how to handle myself in the draft room. The information that I needed, how to present it, how to be prepared, how to have draft room etiquette how to disagree without being disagreeable or just knowing when I needed to buck up a little bit and then when it was over, go hug the guy up after we're done, you know what I'm saying? Because right. we're on the same team. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy. Oh, yeah, and, and Eric, of course. So, like, we, right. we had a lot of just really, really good scouts in the room that came up through the system. And so, you know, that's, that's always been there. Right. And, and I got I to gotta shout out my boy Mark Azevedo because, you know, he was my roommate. You know, he kind of just took me in. He was, he was here a couple of years before I was. And just in terms of me doing what I was supposed to do at an entry level, 
you know, he was right there, you know, to help me out and make sure I was I was on the right track and, you know, give me some tidbits here and there. And, you know, our friendship grew just because we lived. It was it was just really, really good. It was a good environment to foster, you know, young talent. And I think it still is. Right. Mm -hmm. To get into your background a little bit, uh, I want to talk about how you became a scout. So from Indianapolis, like you said, grew up playing football, won a 5A state championship. Oh, yeah. Undefeated as a safety. (laughs) (laughs) Played baseball four years, basketball for two years, and then you go to DePaul University, which is not DePaul in Chicago. No. DePaul. Yeah, and there's no way that you can enunciate it to... (laughs) You cannot distinguish the two. You can't distinguish it. (laughs) DePaul. DePaul. Yeah, people people think something's wrong with you. (laughs) (laughs) And so you got a degree in economics and a minor in history. Mm -hmm. So how do you get go that track and you played college football there. You were mm-hmm. cornerback, I want to say. Yeah, corner. Corner mm-hmm. and uh, team captain, all that stuff. Uh, so that route, I guess, how did that lead you into becoming a scout? You know, mm-hmm. Did you think you were going to be Pat Moriarty because of the economics background <laughs> or, or what? No, well, you know, DePaul is a liberal arts school, so, you know, it's not like you're going to go major in scouting, you know, so <laughs> it, it's really just, I was, I was actually a part of uh, Management Fellows, which is their business and entrepreneur uh, uh, program. So, uh, yeah, I had to take a certain amount of economic course or business courses because I was a part of that program. And then when it came time to declare my major, I just ended up having more credits in economics than any other one. Now, I really wasn't as passionate about anything, right? I was just, you know, trying to trying to go through my curriculum. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I guess I'll just I'll continue through the econ route. But I, yeah, the economics degree is, is cool because you just kind of it kind of teaches you more how to think or how to look at things or how to value things, which honestly, as a scout or as a general manager or whatever, building a team, whatever the case is, it plays a big part because mm-hmm. you're like, well, what's valuable? What's something that, you know, it just helps you, you know, put the pieces together, you know, right. if you're trying to, big, you know, build your picture, team. You right. think big picture. Right. You think big picture and, and, you know, think ahead, you know, think of problems coming down the road where if I do, if I make this move, what other options are going to come down the road. But right. if I go that route, you know, how's that going to change, you know, the path going forward right. and that different types of things. So, right. If, if somebody's going to say, you know, I want to become a scout, what would you say to them? Like, how do they go about doing that? Well, for one, you got to have a passion for, for ball. And, and really, you just need to be working in ball some type of way. You don't have to, you, you, you don't have to have played. You don't have to have, you know, just grew up around the game. You know, there's a lot of guys that are scouting these days that didn't necessarily play high school or college ball, but you got to have a passion for, for the game and you got to be working close to the game in some type of fashion to, to continue to grow and, and learn and, and, you know, kind of just build your resume up and uh, just those types of things. So, you know, when I, out of college, I tried to, you know, it's, it's, it's rare you're just going to get a job out of, out of college just right. working with an NFL team. But I was lucky enough, I had a lot of people in my corner that I knew from, from starting with my, my college coach, and, and he knew a lot of people. And there's was, there was actually like four other people in scouting that went to DePaul, and one of them was a teammate of mine. But, mm. you know, a lot of those guys, they, they kind of helped me along the way. But you do need to be working in football. I think, I think it's just like, just like picking a player, right? Like, how passionate is this guy about how much does he, does he really want it? Yeah, how much does he, well, first of all, how, does, how much does he really want to work mm-hmm. in football? How much does he, how badly does he really want it? Right. What has he done to display, you know, 
the fact that he needs to be working in sports, that he'll go through any lengths to work in sports. So, right. you know, what kind of adversity or obstacles have you overcome? Like, I know at a certain point I was I was substitute teaching at my old high school. I was well, first of all I was living at home. You know, after after college, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, survive if I wasn't, you know, living right. at my parents' house. <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm substitute teaching after after I initially had a job working uh, financial sales, okay. and that lasted like nine months. And then I got a, I got an opportunity to interview with the Cleveland Browns for a job, uh. and I didn't get it. And then a month later, I got a phone interview to interview for another position. I didn't get it. And I was like, what am I doing working in financial sales? You know, right. this is, I actually got a, an opportunity, you know, to interview. I was like, well, what do I need to do to make sure that I'm ready, you know, for the next time, you know, the opportunity comes so I can punch through. So I quit the job. You know, I said, I need to work in football. So I got a job, substitute teaching at my old high school. I got a job as a GA over at Butler University uh-huh. coaching uh, DBs. Um, I came home and slept. Oh, and then, uh, you know, I'd go to class after I get done with practice. Uh-huh. I'd come home, eat, sleep for a little bit, wake up. Then I'd go work at FedEx from like 12 a.m. to <laughs> 4 a.m. You know, <laughs> wow. just to have some benefits because, you know, it, it wasn't a glam. You know, so, right. you know, I'm working. I'm working in the day for some money. I'm getting my football experience, you know, during the day. I'm sleeping and I'm, you know, going right. to FedEx. So I did that for like a year, wow. you know, before something popped through. And, you know, when if you're. If you're doing things like that, you know, if you have a plan and you believe in it, I mean, there's plenty of days where I'm stacking cans at FedEx. I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> I, I'm sure my mom loves this, you know, $35,000 a year education going right. going into the trash where I'm, in, I'm at FedEx working. But <laughs> no, man, there was there was a means to the, you know, to the madness. I mean, right. there was, it was a means to an end. So, mm-hmm. you know, and then when you get the opportunity, you feel so, and you're just like, there's nothing that, I wouldn't do to you know to succeed so right. you know I think I think you know that as a, as a staff the Ravens try to identify those types of people because they know what a grind or how unglamorous this this whole gig is right. and the type of hours you're gonna have to be doing so like if he's willing to do all that this should be a walk in the park and, and that's how it kind of was for me right, right. nice well, we'll let you out here on this one all right this is the last question you got to give us a quick scouting report on me and make What's your quick scouting Who would you draft? Yeah, you got to draft. We're both on the board. You're making the decision. Who are you drafting? I'm calling another team to trade back. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect answer. All right. Thanks, Blackbird. That's that's a good answer. I hadn't thought about that one, but that's a good answer. Yeah, we should have put him on the spot. We should have put him on. We know. We all know. Yeah, you're out of trade. You can't trade. Nobody's. The phone's not ringing. The phone's not ringing. (laughs) The clock's winding down. You're forced to Nobody wants to tango because nobody's straightened up to get us. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) Um, So thanks again to David. He's uh, he's a great guy who knows a lot about football, has worked hard to be where he is, um, and I really enjoy the conversation with him, and I hope you guys did as well. As always, you can reach us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net, and we will be back with you next week with hopefully another great guest.